0: Hello, friends, and welcome to Talking Transformative Love. Love is in the air. The podcast that talks vocation, love, and mission, celebrating the valiant woman that was Mary Ward. I'm Joan Carter, your host. Before we get into this episode, we would like to acknowledge the traditional custodians of country, all Aboriginal and Torres Strait Islander people across Australia, paying our deepest respect to their elders, past, present, and emerging. On today's podcast, we have Damien Whelan. Damien is a teacher and a musician and many other things which we will discover throughout this podcast. And we're so keen to learn more about Damien's adventures and Damien's um, life legacy and philosophy and beliefs. Damien's been an amazing friend to many of us. And those who are listening to his podcasts will, I'm sure, know many of the things that he shares, but also will come to learn new things about Damien. Thank you, Damien, for coming onto this podcast.
1: Thanks, Ryan. It's great to be here.
0: It's really good to have you. And uh, just to hear more about your story, uh, we want to ask you, what is the belief system or spirituality that shaped your childhood and continues to form who you are today?
1: Well, uh, Joanne, I was raised in a uh, Catholic home. Um, we uh, were taken off to Mass each week. Uh, it's a fairly conventional yes. sort of childhood. My, I had uh, a grandmother who really was very close to, who um, really shaped that yeah. early period of my life. Uh, In terms of uh, my faith development, and uh...
0: grandmas have that influence, don't they? Um, Of really teaching you about faith. I don't know what it is, I don't know if it's because they have uh, the life experience or the wisdom or the time. Uh, Like, my mother is a grandmother, and when I watch her with my nieces and nephews, uh, she will often share a lot about her. Uh, faith with them and we'll, we'll say to them, make sure you pray, you know, so I, I don't know what it is yeah. about grammars and, <laughs> and their influence. But it, it
1: seemed very easy with them. Like it wasn't anything that was forced and it certainly mm. didn't feel forced on us. I mean, there was an expectation of behavior when you were in a church, for example, but, but it just all seemed very natural. Their yes. faith was a very natural part of their, their living and, uh, and yeah, I guess that's why it became important for me. It was something, you know, something that came from them.
0: Yeah. I also
1: remember when I was a kid, we where we grew up in the east of Melbourne, um, we didn't have a church when I first went to school. Yes. Uh, a church was in the primary school, actually. Each week we'd um, open up some doors in the class, between classrooms and uh, set up for mass each week. Now, I, I barely remember that, but uh, I know I made my first confession there basically in uh, one end of the, the school building, um, which had been converted into a into the makeshift church, eventually we got a, the most beautiful church. It still is actually a remarkably beautiful church, and that it had us. I guess it had something about it that really grabbed me in terms of a sense of the sacred. Mm. Um, and I we were encouraged as kids to pay a visit to the church. Uh, And I can remember often going into the church on the way home, probably when I was in the middle of primary school, maybe year four, year five in primary school. uh, I'd sort of stop in there on the way home.
0: Isn't that beautiful? I think, yeah, I think that's so beautiful. Um, Yeah. I wonder if if kids today feel the same uh, sense of welcome and that they can go into a church and because I did the same when I was when I was a kid back in Baghdad growing up, I um, mm. would often go to church, and that was my safe hub in a sense. Um, but I wonder if kids have have that tendency now to go into a church and, and explore their faith with that kind of openness. Yeah, I think
1: I'm not, I not I don't think it's the same, and I think we have to be see you know that uh, our faith is. Um, nurtured not just in space, you know, a particular space. Yes. And, of course, their world is so different. They're connected to each other in so many different ways. Uh, there's so much influence of other other spiritualities mm. and other things happening in social media. I guess the, whole, the concept of paying a visit, you know, to the church isn't something that's in common language. Yeah. Uh, but then I see working with our primary teachers, uh, primary school teachers here. Uh, We had mass here yesterday for our year three and four students. And uh, the beautiful way the teachers work with the younger students, trying to get across that idea of being in a sacred place Mm. and how we are when we're in that place. It's certainly we're trying to engender that, but it is different, I think. Uh, And for our older Mm. girls... It's it's a space they can they can come to, but for some reason it you know it's not yes. as widely used. Yeah.
0: So speaking of uh, education and teaching, how did you come to teach at Loretto Mandeville Hall, and what has the experience been like for you? Have you? I'm I'm sure you have faced many challenges, as we all do. Uh, I'm a teacher, so I I get it. Uh, what would be some of the I guess. Um, treasured moments that you have, but also some of the challenges that you've faced. Okay.
1: Well, it's a pretty extraordinary story coming to Loretto. Yeah. Uh, I, I suppose I came to Loretto through music originally, and I, I was asked to play the organ for First Communions yes. back in the 1990s. So that, that was really my early exposure to Loretto Mandeville Hall and at a, oh, actually, before that, even before that, even I had gone for a, gone for a job as a music teacher in the nineteen eighties, and I was quite a young teacher wow.
0: then,
1: and uh, not very experienced. I think I was a third year out teacher, and uh, oh, look, I was I was really chuffed to get an interview um, <laughs> in the first place as a music teacher, you know. And uh, I, got, I was interviewed by two. There were two women. One was the director of music here and um, then later I uh, had a second interview which was I couldn't believe i got yeah. a second interview and, uh, and that was I, pretty I special and it. it was with yeah and it was with actually someone who's you know very highly regarded um, and I you know barely knew unfortunately but a very special uh, Loretto sister sister Deirdre Rofe was the principal of the school oh and,
0: yes uh, you know I never met her, but I've heard amazing things.
1: Amazing, yeah. Extraordinary person and extraordinary gifted person uh, from all the, all the accounts I've heard about her. Uh, so I didn't get that job. I did, did get offered two other jobs, which was really good. So Loretto, that was, you know.
0: Yeah,
1: that's your a, intro
0: an, into the Loretto a little world. intro,
1: and then um, later on, I, uh, I'd been teaching for 10 years. I went on long service leave. I decided I'd teach piano and uh, do accompanying around Melbourne. I did that for about four years. And all the while I was actually, um, you know, every year I was playing for First Communions for for our junior school here. So, And I was doing some accompanying as well for some music exams. Mm -hmm. So I had a little bit of connection here. And then in 1999, I think, um, a friend of mine had been teaching liturgical singing in the senior school because uh, the principal at the time then wanted the girls to be uh, able to sing, uh, do massed singing, like in groups, big groups. Mm. Um, Particularly it was the 75th anniversary of the school that year. So they really wanted Mm. to have a fantastic feast day and everybody singing strongly in the cathedral. So Robin Horner, as it was, who was teaching then, she uh, was doing a PhD, couldn't juggle the two things and uh, so asked me whether I'd be interested in taking over that role. So I did in 1999 and then was offered a, a job teaching uh, wow. sometime later mm-hmm. in that year. And uh, I started part-time here. And yeah. uh, the other really, really extraordinary and special part of this story is that the principal at the time was Dr. Anne Hunt. She followed, mm-hmm. she was the first lay principal, mm-hmm. first lay principal uh, in Australia for the Loreto schools. So it, yeah, wow. quite a remarkable Gifted person and uh, and if someone I still see, yes. so a very mm. you know, a dear dear person, and uh, she offered me the job, but she also offered for me to, or well, she she gave me the opportunity to study, yes, to study theology and supported me uh, yeah, in doing amazing. that theology degree, and I think that is probably one of the greatest gifts that you could ever be given. Yeah,
0: um, it is a, it is you know, amazing not, as a teacher. Yeah, theology gives you that. Um sense of depth doesn't it it's um yeah it's exploring and it it's not exploring on your own it's actually exploring with others yes that uh, helps you i guess learn more about why we believe what we believe
1: yeah so you you can be challenged you can be affirmed yes all of these things yes and, and, and in seeking understanding you know sort of uh, going going deeper into your faith experience, but with a serious sort of academic eyes. It's an yeah, uh, amazing, yeah. amazing thing, amazing course really yeah. to do.
0: So so would you, um, I suppose you've never really looked back now. You've been at Loretta Mandeville Hall for a while <laughs> and it's been, I'm sure, an amazing adventure. It has. And I think
1: part of the reason I'm still here and it's what, 20 something, 23 years yeah, later. Yeah, it's amazing. Part of the reason... I, it's. It hasn't remained static. Like I have had opportunities to grow in different ways in yes. my role. I haven't had the same role since I started in 1999. Things have changed obviously. Yes. And I, I taught RE basically the whole time. Mm. I have had RE classes. I've taught music. I've yeah. accompanied three of our music tours. As in, as yeah. in, I've been the the accompanist. So extraordinary experiences
0: yes yeah I, I remember coming into um, Loretto Mandeville Hall as you also probably remember um, in uh, 2021 for a couple of terms and I would come in yes. uh, once a week <laughs> and I had to put this in but uh, one of the things I do remember <laughs> you asking me to do was you were preparing the kids for reconciliation oh yes <laughs> and you said to me now juan can you be father <laughs> and i had to sit <laughs> on the chair and and receive uh these kids as they came up to the altar and uh and sit and sat on the chair and said uh forgive me father for i have sinned no <laughs> so no but they, yeah. i remember that uh really well because i I thought, oh wow, this is amazing. I'm, I'm sitting here listening to these kids. Obviously, they didn't confess to me, but no, we showed them. No. We showed them uh, the way to do it, I guess. And I always look yes. back on that experience and think, yeah, wow, that was an amazing encounter just to get to know the kids. And they'd they'd look at me like, "Did I do that right?" And I said, "I don't know. I don't know what yes. right looks like anyway." <laughs> so, but I do remember that. <laughs> mm.
1: Oh, I think I think I might have asked you because I thought. Now the girls are used to me, and I will, and yes. they'll be meeting a priest that they've never seen before. Yes, and I thought now it'd be good if it was someone they weren't familiar with, yeah. who was prompting and asking, you know, it, you know, and I mean, not that they confess their sins, but no. just to, to to go through how you make your your reconciliation, yes, and, um, yeah. your first reconciliation. So it was mm. lovely. I really appreciated. Yeah,
0: and it was really, it was really. It was really nice for me to um, witness you and your work at the school, uh, your, your, your influence. And uh, I was inspired by what you do. So, um, and, and hence why you know, you're you here, because we, we love to hear more about your story. And, and I know that you've taught for a while now um, yes. and studied a theology degree and been immersed in the music world. What would you say your dream is? That's a big question, isn't it? What's your dream? Yeah,
1: it's funny you use the word dream uh, because it's sort of it, going right back to the beginning, it's starting here at Loretto, Anne Hunt, who is the principal I mentioned earlier, when she interviewed me, which it really wasn't an interview. It was really she had made her mind up she was going to offer me a job. Yes. She'd already thought this through before I walked in the door, I think. But the first thing she said and, and if you know Anne, she has a particular manner and way of posing when she poses a question and she looked at me and really fixed fixed me with her attention and said, Damien, what is your dream?
0: Yeah. What's so that's, that's beautiful
1: can you imagine going what (laughs) yeah
0: (laughs) but to give to be given that um freedom to even Ah. we don't we don't talk about what our desires or dreams are uh in in Mm. the teaching world we don't do it as often i think and we, we get we get lost in the curriculum in the teaching aspect uh we we get lost even in the dreams kids might have that our students might kids might have that our students might have but not that's teaching these kids so it's it is a huge question isn't it it's a big question but I think it's really interesting
1: looking back then to that moment and then going forward and thinking about how extraordinary the experience has been and as I said I've not done the same work for 23 years it's yes. grown it's developed it's changed and mm. it's been shaped by many experiences too I think as I, as I'm getting older and one of the things COVID and lockdowns one aspect of that time was discovering my um, capacity to bring prayer to our staff mm. and to our students yeah. and to to develop my skill writing prayer yeah. uh, and reflections and examine, re- re- wording examines and things like that. And I, I spent a lot of time doing that um, because we were, of course, we were at home, you know, we weren't, we weren't at um, school. So during. Yeah, lockdown, and much
0: needed prayer yeah. during COVID. So, so yeah. I sort
1: of think part of what I feel quite engaged by, or perhaps, you know, there's a bit of passion behind. Now and so it's sort of a bit of the dream, so to speak, is having more time to write.
0: Yeah, wow. So do you have you started doing some writing?
1: Uh, I write prayers for the RE classes. Now yes. sometimes I'm just gathering material from wherever. I'm, I'm, you know, I'm being a bit of a magpie and looking on the lookout for things that yeah. might be engaging. Yeah. So I guess that that's sort of part of the dream is to to develop that more now yes. that things are starting to return to normal to keep that going yeah you know, I think that's probably the, what the dream is music always in, is in you know it's a such a significant part of my life yeah. so that's always part of the dream
0: yeah <laughs> yeah us. and I'm sure you're fulfilling that dream you are a great <laughs> musician
1: getting a bit rusty now <laughs> <laughs> but I, st- I you know I love music
0: yes yeah it does it does something to people doesn't it it's a I guess that's why it's called the universal language. It brings us all together. Yes. So Damien, uh, we've been asking about transformative love because it's the theme that we've chosen for this vocations week. And we wanted, I guess, to focus on transformative love in the world that we are today. You know, we live with so much um, uncertainty and darkness. And so we wanted to really focus on love for this particular theme how have you lived and continue to live love in your life? Or what does transformative love even mean to you? Oh, it's,
1: a, it's a huge <laughs> question. And yes, mm. extraordinary words, transformative <laughs> love. I think I've experienced you know a strong sense of being loved mm. by people, but also this sense of God's love for me. Now, I don't you know, I can't say I carry that around with me all the time.
0: Oh, I think you as do. A, you
1: know, it's completely conscious of that. I mean, yes. wouldn't I be perfect if that was the case? But uh, something I did recently, um, I, I was given the opportunity to do uh, the retreat in daily life. So there's, the, what they call the 19th annotation of the spiritual yeah. exercise. Yes. Uh, with a Loreto sister, sister yes. Rachel mm. McLaughlin, as my director. Mm. That experience well, I mean, anyone who's who's done the spiritual exercises yep. will say it. they're yes. an extraordinary experience, they unique are. to each mm. individual person. And uh, you know, I uh, when I got to the end in December, I started in February of twenty twenty before yeah. COVID, mm. and I lived through the experience of the exercises, praying daily with um, a prayer text, yeah. as usually a piece of scripture, and some uh, you know some prompting questions and met with my director once a week. And I think, you know, when you use that expression transformative love, that I can connect my experience of the spiritual exercises very clearly yeah. to being something that was transformative, mm. but also brought me to understand God's love for me yeah. in a really deeply, deeply personal yeah.
0: way. Isn't that beautiful? Allowing to that know. love
1: to yes. be shaping the way mm. I work, which is very, it, it's difficult to, to keep the consciousness of that. Yes. It's such a big thing. It's so, it's so deeply personal, but it's so very big and beyond.
0: Be- beyond comprehension. But its I think that's the beauty of it is that we're not, um, I don't think we're called to comprehend it as such. And these are conversations you and I have had about, you know, Eastern and Western spirituality and this, you know we we've had conversations yes. about how do we actually live our faith in the in the sense of for me coming from an eastern spirituality and how do i find the western sp- spirituality speak to that or not speak to that but it's i think it's what i what i've kind of said to you in the past is that We, in a sense, in the Eastern spirituality, we embody prayer, we embody spirituality. It is part of the breath that we breathe. It's, you know, I don't wake up and say, I will do these Ignatian exercises. But instead, I would say, today, I will live them. I will breathe them. I will make them a part of who I am and what I do. And that's what I I guess transformative love may be about
1: I, I i agree i think think that when i can um and i'm drawing back on the experience of the exercises where you're engaging your senses yes you're trying to engage your senses in a, an imaginative mm. exercise that is is the aim of which is to bring you closer to to the reality of god to bring you yes. in, into god's presence um, when you can really engage that way Mm. uh, and this fully embodied sort of way yeah you that's when that that that's the transformative yes uh, yeah aspect of living love i mean we're we're looking feeling tasting sensing always for that love that is there for us yeah Uh, and then if once. We're aware of it. We can, of course, uh, give give that love to to whatever we're doing. Yeah,
0: yeah, and and that's that's the beauty of I guess Ignatian uh, spiritual exercises is that you can bring yourself into them. You know, it's not um, it's it's not set in a particular way. I mean, we engage the senses, but there is that um, invitation to be free in who you are. And I think that's what I love about Ignatius is that to me mm. he really. Applied psychology in, in, in his exercises in the sense that who we are, what our story has been, what we bring uh, to the exercises as well. It's not so much that what the exercises bring to us, but it's more, you know, bring your story, whether, you know, um, you're a musician or, mm-hmm. or an artist or bring that into the exercises and that's why, I, you know, I find them really valuable and a great resource for us today. Yes. And I
1: think to Ignatius, what a one, it's an, such an extraordinary story that he was tremendously charismatic, without doubt. He drew people, must have drawn people to himself.
0: Well, speaking of a person that uh, was loved or gathered people around them is, is Mary Ward. And we haven't actually spoken about of Mary Wood, which is... Interesting. This is why yes. you're here. It's because of Mary Ward, no, but um, <laughs> but it it's uh, I also think Mary Ward would have been an amazing. Um, I mean, surely people yes. were attracted to her. Why would you follow someone you didn't really, um, you know, feel attracted and, and to? And also to to
1: think to, to follow someone who, you know, coming out of the the world that she was in, to follow someone when it was so difficult. Yes. It was so difficult. Why did, you know, I, I think one of the great, the miracles, if we want a miracle to make Mary Ward a saint, we only have to look at the fact that there are Loretto sisters, there are Congregation yeah. of Jesus sisters mm. um, in how many countries in the world today, yes. 400 years later, when the order was pretty well crushed. Yeah. Um at a certain point, and uh, you know she when she dies, she's buried in an unmarked grave, you know, yes. stuff like that. What is it about her that, yeah. that galvanized uh, galvanized people? and I agree, she must have been extraordinary charismatic. her way of proceeding her her her, her person really must have mm. grabbed people. Uh, just I think it's very similar to what we're saying about Ignatius. Yeah. Yeah, she's remarkable. And her, and I I didn't say it before, but I think the sisters that I've known in the time I've been at Loretto have been, you know, a profound influence on me. Yeah,
0: yes, I'm sure. Uh, And
1: I I say, you know, a number Mm. of them, uh, I would say are close friends.
0: Yeah, absolutely.
1: Uh, uh, And I've had extraordinary inspiration from some of them. Yes. To Possibly, you know, one I know one sister, um, Sister Tony Mather probably sowed the seed for my interest in Ignatian spirituality Mm. years ago just by saying, you know, the the whole giving me the idea of finding God in all things, which I hadn't really heard that phrase before, uh, before she said it, but also the, the probably the the, the greater gift that she gave me was to understand that God's always there. God doesn't disappear when things are tough.
0: No, God's there mm. in the
1: shadow as well, as well as in the light. Yeah, isn't so, that beautiful? Uh, I was meant to say, meant to say that. So this is these are you know daughters of Mary Ward in inverted yeah. commas.
0: <laughs> Speaking of um, sisters, really being close mates with you, um, I was I just had a conversation with uh, Libby Rogerson on the phone. She rang me and. And I said, Oh, Libby, I'll have to ring you back because I'm having this conversation with Damien and we're he's on our podcast. And she said, Send my love to Damien. So I'm giving oh. that so I'm giving all the love from Libby to you. <laughs> um but you are very loved amongst the sisters and um it's because I think you're a Mary Ward man.
1: Well it's a mutual, mutual love thing yeah. too. And and
0: so, yeah. of course, looking at um the Mary Ward story, um, yes. and, and, and all things vocation, because that's what we're about. Um, Mary Ward says to her sisters, let your vocation be constant, efficacious, and affectionate. And as you said, it's been 400 years, and this legacy has lived on. And what is it about this woman, Mary Ward? Uh, what does that mean to you that your vocation be constant, efficacious, and affectionate on a not just on a head level? You know what does it mean to you, but what does it mean to you yeah. whole? You know, in the in the heart level, wholeheartedly or your whole self. How do you embody those words? Since we've talked about embodying this in this podcast,
1: Good. yes, wonderful question, uh, Mary Ward. This, these, these words about vocation, she must have carried her vocation with it, you know, every, every single day. I was thinking it's a, it's a word, vocation is it's not a word that's um, owned and used as much as it used to be. Yes. Um, mm. When I first started teaching in Catholic education, w- the word vocation was used all the time. Yes. We talked about our vocation mm. as teachers, we, we unpacked that a lot. Uh, it seems not to be spoken of quite the same way. But Mary Ward saying, you know, those the three key parts of that phrase are constant, efficacious, and affectionate. And there's such balance in that.
0: Yeah. Such
1: a wisdom and uh, wisdom and balance is probably the way I, I see
0: mm. that,
1: that wow. phrase. But Vocation isn't something that you just say, "Oh, I'm going to do this."
0: Yeah, you yeah.
1: carry it with you all the time, even when you're not conscious of it, and it's something you've got to feed, you've got to nurture, you've got to look after. but you know that second word, efficacious it's got to be it's got to be something that has meaning beyond you, that it actually is making a difference, yes, and of course she was somebody who. Was out to make an extraordinary difference, and still is making an extraordinary difference. I mean, you had a, a new member of parliament last week, Monique Ryan. Yeah. use a wonderful expression, the wonderful about women. I heard
0: that. Yeah, in
1: time, mm. well, do much, and she actually used the the, the whole quote too. So she was careful on that and was very proud of her. Yes, uh, Loretto education. Yeah. And it was really. I I was really so thrilled that. To know that Mary Ward's now in Hansard.
0: I know um,
1: <laughs> that was amongst, an amazing. No, moment. I'm really pleased that a Mary Ward woman is in Parliament. That's that's brilliant. But so efficacious that it's making a difference. Going back to the, the the phrase and affectionate. And that one, that's that's a tricky word. You know that she's yeah. using her. Uh, language.
0: Most people found affectionate to be tricky. Yeah,
1: but but I, I think. It's still very
0: relevant. As I said, that phrase is all about
1: balance in terms of vocation, that you persist with it, that it is meaningful, not just for you, but for others, that it's doing something, that it's, it's making a difference. But then sometimes that means, say, for example, speaking truth to power. When you're speaking truth to power, you don't want that to be you don't want it to, to, to be divisive or negative mm. to get that. To, no. You, to, yeah. you, know, you don't, don't you then want to change, make a change? You want something to change. Uh, you want the truth to prevail, justice mm. to prevail, whatever it is. Yes. The affectionate part of it, I think, is that you look with compassion on those yes. you may mm. have to deal with who are of, uh, you know, uh, obstructive or divisive or, or whatever they are, that the affectionate part of the vocation is being compassionate, being kind in our yeah, approach, wow. mm. the way we proceed yeah. has, has, has to have that. And, you know, she, Mary would use the word felicity a yes. lot too. I think that comes into the word affectionate as well, that, that you know, vocation shouldn't be sombre, serious. No,
0: no, uh, you've got to have a bit of fun with it. Sort of a thing.
1: Yeah. affectionate, you want to love what you're doing, but it's loving, you know, it's bringing that love to others too. That yeah. love that's beyond yes. ourselves, the love that's God's giving us. So I think that's where the affectionate part comes in, um, in that phrase. And why I really, really love it, that, you know, for someone who could have gone to their death for their faith, um, you know, so many of those early Jesuits and, and Jesuits that the, the Ward family would have hidden. You know, there they, they were people going to their, being tortured and living through extraordinary hardship for their faith in England at that time. And uh, there are still people having, diff- you know, huge challenges in different parts of the world,
0: absolutely holding on
1: to their faith, mm.
0: uh,
1: as we know. So I think 400 years later, it's still... It, it still works just as just as well as it it did. Yes. When she said those words, yeah. Um, and admittedly, she was in her her world context, and she had such hideous opposition. You know, ridiculous misogynist rubbish that she was dealing with. I, I remember reading the Bull of Suppression. Some years ago, and feeling it was just words of hatred and uh, horror. It was just awful. What Mm. what she must have endured, and yet, yes, (laughs) yet here we are, four hundred years later. I know. You know, you're you're doing what you're doing.
0: Yeah, yeah, and still loving despite all that. Still, her legacy was that of love and. You know yeah. um, like Saint Paul says, you speak truth and love you know with with yeah. compassion and and I love that you uh I guess you approached it in that in that way about um looking at it as wisdom and balance and and mm. you know this sense of harmony in in vocation that it shouldn't be um something that we carry so hevi- heavily, but it's actually something that we live with with truth and beauty oh and eyes. and light and and I f- I find it fascinating that her legacy was that of felicity as well, and I, I find that amazing because yes. it says something about her. her I guess this sen- this balance within her. That sure, we can talk about justice and we can do justice, but we can't forget to also be light and 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 have a bit of fun and and look after our own well being. Um, and that and and the more we look at our, after ourselves and the more self care we have the more we can advocate for people the more uh we can speak truth to power um and I, and I, f- I find that that's that's a legacy that is very important today because we can get sucked into the world of it's also dark and it's also horrible mm. and and Mary Ward kind of in a way um gets us to think about or or gets us to see the light in in things uh, because there is light and there is hope even in the midst of all the all the uh, darkness
1: yes mm. absolutely and I, I just think you see this in in the work of sisters around the world to um, think of all Tracy in um, Sudan and I, th- I think of you know the work Trish Franklin did in uh, Vietnam yes and uh, mm. you know this is still being carried on you know and we could keep we could sit here and list you know, so much work of our Australian sisters still continuing uh, yes. ministry. And yeah, uh, yeah. so it's, it's, it's still, it's persisting. It's it's going on, you know, yeah. being constant, yes. being being effective. Yeah. And, you know, sometimes we give up. Sometimes we have to say, this isn't working. I've got to now move away. I have to let this be and, and look for what else God wants me to do. Yeah. Where are we needed? You mm-hmm. know, that sort of thing. And, but maintaining that sort of, you know, joy in what we're doing and, yeah. and, and love mm. of what we're yes.
0: doing. Yes. Damien, this has been a wonderful conversation and it's been a delight to have you on this podcast. And we look forward maybe to another podcast with you in the future if you're willing. Oh,
1: <laughs> thank, <laughs> thank you, Joan. It's been wonderful to talk to you. I really enjoyed it. Thank you. Thank you. you.